Hi, I'm Jim Starlin, a writer and artist of such items as Captain Marvel, Warlock, Dreadstar, Breed, a few other things here and there. And you're listening to The Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. Or have uh, produced Breed 3, which is a follow-up to a book that you did back with Malibu Comics under their Bravura line. Yes, the late Malibu Talk Comics. <laughs> so tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about Breed. Well, Breed is short for half-breed. He's part human, part demon. Uh, issue of Rape uh, back in 1949, the same year I was born. The story so far has been him coming to terms with what he is and learning about his the darker heritage he has and uh, basically trying to figure out what the demons, the fathers, ha- are up to. And as uh, anyone who's read the current issues, they're coming to eat us all. And so you've had uh, two prior volumes of Breed. Yes, uh, both of them back at Malibu back in the 90s. Um, Malibu of course, got bought up by uh, Marvel Comics, and they shut it down because all they want is the coloring setup that they never actually used. Right. Um, after that, the horror market tanked. Nobody wanted anything except uh, superheroes. So I went back to uh, doing superheroes for a while. Um, the market seems to be changing again. I understand in the last couple months, the two main companies, Marvel and DC, they're percentage of sales have gone down and the indies have actually gone up well and you know horror certainly seems to be a lot more prevalent these days you know with with uh, title the success of titles like walking dead and certainly we've seen the uh, dracula company of monsters and you know a lot more horror on the title these days traditional horror not your sparkly uh, glow-in-the-dark vampires yeah the, the twilight is another animal entirely <laughs> <laughs> So uh, how long do you see uh, your your new breed series going? Do you have it plotted out, you know, uh, into the next year? It's a, it's a seven-issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. I, I've basically come back to complete the story. I see. Does this, does this uh, book get it? this traditional six because at the Malibu Comics, their first issues were always 40 pages, so I wanted to keep it about the same length. And uh, after that, um, I think I will probably be doing a final Dreadstar story. Are you really? Yeah, that's that's the plan at this point. Don't you go teasing me, Jim. Don't you do it. Dreadstar is absolutely one of my favorite books. Well, I've uh, been wanting to get back and do a final story. Uh, I'm actually plotting it out as I'm working on uh, Breed. I'm on to the sixth issue of Breed, so... Mm-hmm. It's going to come out on time for all you people out there buying books. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's actually in the the latter part of breed has some things that are setting up for the Dreadstar story. Oh, really? Those are those universes tying together? Um, only in the fact that elsewhere is connected to everything. I see. 
and some things that happen in near the end of the story will affect what happens with what I'm going to do with Dreadstar afterwards. Wow. I, I like to tie things, connect things up in subtle little ways. Well, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of your Dreadstar story. I started reading uh, Metamorphosis Odyssey back when it was, you know, published in Epic Illustrated uh, and then, you know, followed it into uh, – uh, oh, gosh, I, I suddenly forgot forget the, the price. I followed it into the price and then into the Dreadstar ongoing series. I absolutely love that character and what you've done with him. I had a lot of fun. He uh... – he sort of came out by accident. I, the Metamorphosis Odyssey originally was supposed to be a fairy tale, sort of Michael Plug kind of thing. Right. But uh, I'm, I'm never very good at that. It very quickly turned into this dark, sinister thing <laughs> and uh, started painting it. And when I got to Dreadstar, I had been using different people as models. Uh, I used everyone from Walt Simonson to Frank Miller, uh, his wife, Lynn Barley, uh, just anyone who walked into the studio got planted underneath the lights, and I took pictures of them for the, the paintings of the characters. But I knew Dreadstar was going to be a long-running character, and the only person I knew I could depend on to show up all the time was me. Right. So Dreadstar and I have uh, a lot of uh, facial, if not uh, physical, similarities. Now, you're kind of a pioneer in uh, independent work. I mean, you know, you created Dreadstar and you did it in the in the Epic Illustrated magazine as creator owned and then you actually went on to the you know Epic comic books doing it there as well. Talk to us about those early days of of independent comics. I did work for some actual independent comics along the way. Uh, the price was Eclipse uh, Publications, which is now defunct also, I believe. Um, we did some, we did, a, I, I did originally some stuff for Archie Goodwin, you know, the Metamorphosis Odyssey appeared in Epic Illustrated. Right. Um, I was actually doing some work for Marvel at the time also, and my checks started disappearing. I, I stopped getting paid by Marvel. I mean, they were cutting checks, but some way, reason or another, they were never getting to me. So I quit Marvel and I did some work over at uh, uh, Eclipse. Right. And when I came back to Marvel, they said, please do this. But they had no contracts set up to do creator-owned work. And nobody trusted each other, so we needed a contract. And basically, Jim Shooter, for a while, Mike Friedrichs, and Mike Hobson and I, it must have took us about three months to hammer out contracts on that. And every time we got one that we all agree on, they send it up to Marvel's legal, and Marvel's legal would turn it into a work-for-hire contract again. Right. So it, it, it went back and forth until we finally got something that was good. I mean, uh, I had to learn a lot of legalese, like latches and innovations uh, during <laughs> that time. But it all worked out fairly well. Um, and, you know, I've been doing... A lot of creator-owned things like Breed and that down the line. I have a, a lawyer now who does all that sort of thing for me, but, you know, Harris Miller. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it was kind of interesting. Just it was starting everything from the beginning, basically. Well, I, I was just fascinated with your uh, style and approach to the Metamorphosis Odyssey and, you know, the price as well as – I forget the title of the, the big – the larger format – Dreadstar book that you did was it called Dreadstar? 
before it went into the monthly series? Yes, it was a Dark Star graphic novel. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you it was like you you were working on a black canvas and you know painting on top of the black canvas, and I, I was I was just fascinated with the way you you worked those colors and you know brought those moods in. Well, every page was done on a different colored board. Uh-huh. They were blue or brown, whatever I needed for a midground. And one episode, uh, I actually went off to a Chinese paper shop and got all this ornate paper that had all these crazy designs on it, and I painted uh, the figures on top of that. Oh, wow. How long did it take you to, to, to crank out a page? I mean, that must have been just oh, extraordinarily that's too long. That's too long. <laughs> I would never do anything like that again. <laughs> uh, no, I was I was doing a complete painting uh, each uh, each page. Yeah. Uh, I mean, several complete paintings. So uh, it was very time consuming, and it was nothing that I would ever attempt again. Now, now with the computer, of course, I wouldn't even think about doing real paint anymore. Yeah. Now, I recently picked up the uh, hardback collected, uh, the Metamorphosis Odyssey stories, the price, and that for, I think it's got that first Red Star graphic novel in there as well. And it, it's, it's a beautiful piece. I, I, love, uh, I love that book. It's just fantastic having all those, those things in, in one nice hardcover. Um, I, I have seen, I think, some collections of the Epic Illustrated work. Is, is that stuff collected? Uh, that's in the I'm, beginning with the uh, <clears throat> uh, the new one that it's called Dread Star the Beginning from Dynamic Forces. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean the Epic Illustrated, but the Epic Monthly, the 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 comic book series. Oh, we did the first twelve issues. Nick has his own way of doing things, so we did the first twelve issues before we did Dread Star the Beginning. Right. And there are plans to keep going down the line oh, and good. getting them all printed. Now you know. Uh, Dreadstar went from you know the epic monthly over to first comics after that, right? Exactly, yes. And then after first comics, there was a little bit of a break, and then you started you you did the next series over at uh, Malibu Bravura, right? Uh, actually, Peter David <clears throat> Ernie Colin did it over at Bravura. I was working on Breed over there. I see, I see, and that's right. Peter David uh, picked up, I guess, in the latter part of the first comics run scripting those stories is that is that right exactly <clears throat> so, so what was that's your, why we brought him on when we did the reviewer books so what was your relationship like how, what was the working relationship like with peter david in those uh, dread star stories uh pretty easy going i had complete faith in peter and so i just sort of let him go uh he sent me a plot at the beginning but after a while we even stopped doing that and uh when we got to the reviewer one he called me up and said i'd like to do a female Dreadstar, and I thought about it for a day or so, and I said, I trust Peter, do what you want to do there. And so it was always very good. I, 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 I trust artists that I trust. And they've never collected the Bravura run, have they? Of the Dreadstar? No. I have them all um, on disc. You know, I have digital copies of everything. Sure. So we will eventually get to that. I was, we we're hoping to get to the other ones first. Right. Work our way through up to the first, and then through the first to uh, Malibu. Okay, so as you can see, I'm I'm kind of a, a Dread Star geek. So you know, you you've, you teased me just a few minutes ago that uh, you're looking to do an end chapter on Dread Star. How far do you think you're out on that? Are we gonna see that in 2011, or will that be a 2012 book? Oh, that's definitely 2012. I'm going to be working right up until September on uh, Breed. Um, 
<clears throat> it takes me at least two days, sometimes three days a page on these things. So right. I'm, I'm, I'm penciling, inking, writing, and coloring it. Oh, wow. So, so it's very labor-intensive. You're a one-man shop, Jim Starlin. Well, I have somebody else lettering it because I was just, even on the computer, I'm a terrible letter. <laughs> so I, when you uh, get to, to Dreadstar, you know, the, the new incarnation of Dreadstar, will you be writing and drawing it and inking it and all that, or will you involve Peter David again? No, it'll be my show. Good deal. Well, I'm just Peter, as excited as Peter's I Peter's got some stuff these days. <laughs> well, I'm just as excited as I can be about that. That just that just sounds wonderful. Do you have any other uh, universes that you're hooking into, uh, you know, through Breed and, and the elsewhere? Yeah, there's some things that have happened in the later part of Breed that will um, open up some things. Um, anyone who's read or so far seen weird domestic warrior has been wandering around there. I mean, yeah. he's not anything in the future. He's just there, but he leads into another character that will play a bigger part in the dread star, uh, excuse me, in the breed series. Um, a guy with another guy with an eye patch. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I have some plans for him down the line. Also, that was dark line, the mystic, but, I, sh I probably shouldn't be telling you that because he's part of the big surprise at the end of issue five. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of, I kind of blew that one. <laughs> he's only part of it though. There's, there's more to it than that. Uh, IDW is going to be putting out a um, sort of a heavy metal, epic illustrated kind of magazine. Yeah. And I'm going to be doing a serialized uh, illustrated novel for them. Can you tell us the subject of that? Um, it's called Hardcore Station Revisited, but it has oh. nothing to do with, well, it has, other than the location, it has very little to do with the, the Hardcore Station that had its own series at DC and then Comet uh, showed up at uh, for a while. Um, it's basically about uh, a telepath who's a psychiatrist. That sounds, and it gets more complicated than that, but that's that's the bare bones teaser for right now. That sounds great. It'll be different. Uh, I've got the first chapter done and illustrated, and uh, as soon as I get done with Breed, i got to get the next one done. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Paul's been kind of quiet over there, and that's because he's a little bit shy. But uh, <laughs> one of the his most favorite characters is Thanos. And uh, I know that Paul has a Thanos question in him. <laughs> I have actually a, a million Thanos questions, of course. <laughs> Pick the best one. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, well, at this point, I, I guess it kind of wraps up into one of the questions I had. Are, are you done with work for Marvel and DC at this point? I mean, I, 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 for the foreseeable future, anyway. I, I don't see myself ever working in corporate comics again. Really? They're just no fun. Uh, both my last stints at both Marvel and DC, I quit because they weren't fun. Uh, it's all the crossover now, and they're willing to sacrifice everything for good art to good story just to make the crossover work or not work. And most of the time, they don't work. Well, well, and I, I could see that um, because I think, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your last work at DC was Death of the New Gods, maybe? Uh, no, I did some Adam Strange and some of those characters later on uh, Strange Adventures. Yeah, Strange Adventures. 
um, the Than Ranagar Holy War. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's right. It wasn't too bad while I had uh, um, Tom Palmer Jr. as the editor. He kind of protected me. And I was able to sort of go off, but I was always getting characters thrown in like Starfire and Animal Man I didn't want. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I tried to keep them as far as in the background as possible. But, you know, the the last one, Strange Adventures, uh, just turned into a complete mess. And, you know, I, I, I left that series Un, unfinished actually and that's the first time this has ever happened to me and you know if it's not fun why do it i have to admit that i, I did not read strange adventures but i did enjoy the hell out of mystery in space oh yeah mystery in space was great yeah that was uh bob shrek was the editor on that and boy did he protect me uh i mean we we it was originally supposed to be adam strange instead of comet but that, that has more to do with the crossovers. They suddenly realized Adam Strange was in 52 with his eyes gouged out so he couldn't use them. <laughs> uh, you know, I, we only found this out the week that I was supposed to start writing it. <laughs> <laughs> so it gives you an idea just how crazy it gets at those places now. Oh, I'm sure. And, you know, speaking of these larger events, I mean, you've been involved you know, in some of the, I mean, besides just the DC things like the Ram Thanagar Holy War and some of the things that tied into their their Infinite Crisis and all of that, at Marvel you wrote or have been involved in some of the major crossovers, bringing us back to Thanos. Um, you know, the, that Infinity trilogy, um, which I guess is is more of a trilogy if you include a Marvel the End. Uh, actually, it's a five-parter if you conclude the end, because I did three Infinity books and then the end. So, I, I actually just oh. recently read the end. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I was going to say I was just trying to Gauntlet, War, Crusade, Abyss, and then the end. That makes five of them. Abyss. That's right. So, I, I'm I'm a little curious because I did just read recently read the end. And I kind of want to know where the where that came about. I know Marvel, you know, for a while there they were doing their this whole the end thing, um, but it seems like the end that you wrote it was not originally intended to be part of that line. Oh well, it was. I just didn't understand what the conceit was. Ah, okay. Um, they didn't. I wasn't getting any of the books, and they. Uh, they sent me, you know, they sent me nothing to see what, and they hadn't done many of them. I think uh, the Fantastic Four one had been done. And so I thought I understood what uh, they wanted, and I sent in the plot, and they accepted it. And I didn't know at the time that they were all upset because I wasn't paying any attention to what they wanted. Uh, I was giving them a story. It was a good story, but... You know, nobody ever said to me, this is not quite what we wanted. And so it went off just the way it was. And a very later that I realized that I really messed up. (laughs) (laughs) I did the same thing with the Cosmic Odyssey. Really? And I knew that I didn't want to do what they wanted to do. How how so in in terms of Cosmic Odyssey? Well, they had a book called, they had a comic called The Book of Magic, which sort of mapped out all their mystical characters, and they wanted me to do with the same thing with the science fiction characters. And that really seemed like a boring idea. And so the, the Cosmic Odyssey, we just sort of 
threw it in there when it was very chaotic. We threw the plot in, and uh, they didn't realize it was not what they wanted until by the time Mike Mignola was like into a second issue. So right. it was too late to do anything about it. And that's why the Cosmic Odyssey just sort of got dumped out on the market. They really did very little publicity for it, figuring it was just going to disappear. Uh, they had no idea that uh, 25 years later, they'd still be paying me royalties on it. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's it's such an influential book in terms of one of their major characters. I mean, you know, the, everything that happened with the John Stewart Green Lantern uh, still stands today now. You know, who knows if it'll still be around after uh, you know the DC reboot in September? But you know, it's been that that story has stood for years. That's wild, and they didn't want no. it. <laughs> no, no, they just figured it was going to they throw it out and disappear. And they would, I think they were hoping Mike and I would both disappear too. <laughs> <laughs> Little did they know. Well, I mean, and you you've created or been involved with. Uh, some events and some characters that are so influential today. You know, we just talked about the 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 John Stewart event in uh, Cosmic Odyssey. You know, and of course, going back to Thanos. I mean, a year doesn't go by that Thanos isn't involved in some type of intercom. You know, some huge crossover, or you know, there's even rumors that Thanos may be involved in one of these upcoming Marvel movies. Well, I got a pretty good authority that he's in. He, I think he's he shows up at the end of the Avengers movie. That's what I've heard too. So that's, yeah. I mean, but that's pretty fantastic. I mean, you know, uh, the the character is is definitely one of my favorite characters um, in all of comic book history. Really, I think he's just a a fantastic character. I love the way you write him. He was um, the first character I ever created in comics. It all went downhill from there. <laughs> I did not realize he was your first char- character creation. It was the first full book I ever did. Iron Man uh, 55, I guess it was. Uh, up until then, I've been doing covers and short stories for Marvel, and this is the first time they uh, ever gave us a chance. Uh, Mike Friedrich and I, and then they switched me over to Steve Gerber for the next issue of Iron Man, and Stan hated that issue so much, we both got fired. <laughs> <laughs> so... Do you feel like you said all you've had to say with some of these characters? I mean, with the characters from the big two? There's no limit to what you can say, but there is a limit to what you can actually do. And that's more of a problem than I really want to take on these days. So if, if, you know, one of those, uh, you know, dream moments where Marvel or DC came to you and they said, you know, you can do whatever you want to do with this character. We're going to put you off in your own little universe. You won't have to deal with any crossovers or anything. What character would you most like to, to be able to spend some time on if you had just complete free control of him? I never did much with Green Lantern. He, he was always an interesting character, and it's not just because the movie's coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, that pretty well precludes my, you know, my going back there because uh, I think that's Jeff John's territory exclusively these days. Oh, yeah. Uh, Basically, you know, I've, if I was back at Marvel, I'd do something with Thanos. But, you know, neither one of those are going to happen because, you know, uh, I don't draw like they draw these days at either shop. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're, they're pretty, you know, the editors really want to keep too much control over what, what you do as an artist and writer these days. So I, I can't see either of those places ever happening again. Sure. 
now one thing I want to ask before we before we leave a little bit of the uh, the the eighties and nineties. You worked on a lot of the prestige format books of that time, like Batman the Cult, Cosmic Odyssey, Gilgamesh, um, and I, I loved those books. I loved the you know I loved that format. Now it's a format that is largely at this point died in you know in modern storytelling. It's it's floppies or trade paperbacks. But is that a format that you liked working in? Is it a format that you feel you know? I mean, do you prefer working in a floppy format or in more of that mini series trade paperback format with the the longer storylines? Well, I, I think of the the trades as just the natural progression of those. Uh, basically, the floppies are paying for the printing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ultimate product is trade paperback. I mean, that's the nicer of the two, and basically the whole things are being designed for that these days. Uh, I mean, I'm not doing any recapping from issue to issue anymore just because I see the whole thing being as part of the package. Um, the time that they were doing those prestige formats, you know, it was it was a changeover. We were not quite into com- to computer coloring at that point, but the better paper, the better printing. Um, it was all changeovers. Um, they only did it on books that they thought were going to sell well enough to uh, pay back on that, and my books usually did, except for Gilgamesh, of course. <laughs> Which is a shame, because I really dug Gilgamesh. I really like that. I keep trying to talk him into reprinting it in a collected volume, but I don't think Dan wants to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what they need to do is they need, and I'm I'm pretty sure they keep Batman the Cult in print. But you know, if if they don't, that's one I think. You know, I'd love to see, you know, they like do these absolute huge hardcover editions. I mean, the Bernie Wrightson art on that book was fantastic. Yeah, Bernie's a champ on that one. But they all seem to be in print still. Uh, Death in the Family, The Cult. Uh, I get royalty checks on those all the time. <laughs> Killing Jason Todd decades later. <laughs> yeah, best hit I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> so you actually wrote uh, a couple of novels uh, uh, back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, Four of them, four. actually. Now, I, I've actually never seen them. I've looked for them, but I, I've never seen them out there in the world. Are those still in print? Yeah, you can go out to Amazon, and I, I, I don't think any of them are actually in print. They're still in remainder floating around. Um, there was Among Mad Men, Thinning the Predators, Lady L, and uh, the fourth one we did, it's serialized in the back of the Dreadstar in the days when Peter David was writing in front of it. I see. That was called Pawns. I see. And were they were they a series? Did that you know the same picking up the same themes or same characters? No, those each people? one was a standalone. I see. I see. Well, I'm going to have to go out there and, and look and see if I can find them. I've, I've always looked for them at uh, bookstores and whatnot. Not recently because I kind of gave up hope, but you know, back in the day, I, I looked for them. So I have to see. Just do Amazon. <laughs> in fact, I've got a thing on my Facebook page in the photo section called the Old Bookshop, which is uh, just links to the different places where you can get these different books, and all the novels are connected up there. Good deal. So, kind of run through the list with us on your creator-owned work. We we know about Breed, we know about Dreadstar, 
Um, well, I started off with Death, okay. which was a, a, a short-lived series that appeared in Star Reach comics. Mm-hmm. This predates, you know, the Sandman death. Uh, and um, I, I think it just appeared in the first issue of, uh, of Star Reach. And then there was Darklon the Mystic, which I own still. Um, Dreadstar, Breed, Kid Cosmos, and uh, Weird, uh, Mystic Warrior, which was political cartoons. It's not really in the same vein at all. Now, I picked up Kid Cosmos under the title of Cosmic Guard, right? That's what the first – Nick Barucci never liked the name Kid Cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> and so he insisted the first one go off as uh, Kid Cosmos. The second one we – or excuse me, as the Cosmic Guard. And the uh, second one we did as Kid Cosmos Kidnapped. And then so, – okay, so that was what, 2005, 2006, something like that? Uh, somewhere in that general area. Yeah. And are you, do you have any plans to go back to another you know, Kid Cosmos book? I'd like to finish that story off the same way I, I'm doing Breed right now, to give it a good package. Sure. Uh, you know, there's there's no there's no plans on it at this point. It's not on the on the list right at the moment. But I would like to get back to that eventually. I've actually got a few pages of it done up already. Ah. Well, you, you should feel free to send, send uh, images of that this way. You know. <laughs> Let's see. Do I have it somewhere? I, I think it's in the book. I think it's in the art, uh, Life in Words and Pictures book. Oh, is it? The, the, the Jim Starlin art book? Yeah. I, I think it's Excellent. in there somewhere. Okay. Groovy. I'd have to look for it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're it's talking been 40 of... years, guys. There's a lot. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. You know, I, I have to say, uh, you're your depiction of Adam Warlock um, always informed a lot of my early drawings. Cause it's like every, every character I would draw would have this gem on his forehead. <laughs> sure. You're not Indian. <laughs> I might be. I might be. So you, you were talking about wrapping up breed. Okay. So this breed three is for all intents and purposes, wrapping up the breed storyline. Exactly. And uh, just, want to get the word out to our listeners that I think in the coming weeks, um, Image is actually releasing uh, the first Breed storyline in a, in a brand new trade. Am I right? It's with been that? out since July. Okay. So I'm... The second one... Uh, oh, excuse me. It's, it's, been out, it's been out since May. The second oh, okay. one comes out in July. Oh, okay. That must be the one I saw. Yeah. Okay. So Breed 1 is on stands now. Breed 2 is probably going to be on stands within a couple weeks after the release of this episode. Uh, yeah, July 10th, I think the thing is, I was, I remember the solicitation, right? And then you can get all caught up in time for the, the finale of Breed. Yes. Uh, that was the way it was planned. I was hoping they'd get the, both of them out the first month, but they decided they wanted to put some space between the two. It's their, it's their usual way of doing it. Yeah. And who wants to spend $32 one shot on a comic book? <laughs> Paul does. He does it all the time. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> you're talking to the wrong guys. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. This is not real life. That's right. That's right. Well, Jim, thank you so much for coming on. That's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, I'm just as excited as I can be about the uh, the new breed book and very much excited about Dreadstar. I can't wait. So 
maybe towards the end of breed and before you get started on Dreadstar, we could have you back on and chat about it. Once we get past the surprise in number five, you might want to give me a call. Let's do that. All right. Let's do that. Excellent, Jim. Thank you again so much. Take care of that. You have a good night. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. books with Aaron and Polly, not Polly and the evil bastard.